you guys, it is now part of the show where we talk to, interview, probe verbally, verbally probe, okay? <laughs> and and so it's somebody amazing and so mm. amazing that is going to just compliment this In the Heights conversation with a pretty little Latino bow. You may mm. know him because he's founder and editor-in-chief of showbizcafe.com. Okay, he is host of two podcasts, Highly Relevant and the Brown and Black podcast. Check them out. Subscribe and host of Consumer 101 on NBC. Please. I can't even I mean, his resume is far longer, but we don't have the time because we want to talk. Please put your hands together for Jack Rico, please. He's really like, you are not only a friend to this room, fellow podcaster, longtime friend, but also like doing it, doing it differently, you know, in the podcast space and so many across different mediums. Jack Rico, welcome to Latinos Out Loud, por fin, coño. Welcome, Jack. Seriously, I've said this a million times. Like the last time I was here, I felt like I literally walked into the biggest club party happening in New York. (laughs) Oh, you were able to come to the studios. That's right. Right. Welcome back. Now this is the biggest biggest Zoom club party you've ever been to. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Listen, man, I love the energy, guys. Keep it up, man. I mean, you guys are a special show, and and thank you for having me today because I think – I think this conversation about in the heights is uh, is going to be an important one. I mean, we we we're going to have to come and have some real real talk today. There's layers to Ooh. this convo. Like, damn. Like, it's like, and I don't even know if there's even one way to even. There's like multiple ways to approach it to look at this movie right? and different lenses, different opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hey, that's pretty. And, and good. None of them are wrong, right? None of them are wrong. None of them are wrong. And not necessarily they're all right. It's just that there's things that, you know, you know what it is? It's truly about expectations. It's about our belief system in a particular product and what that product can produce. Hmm. And for us in the Heights was for us, it is probably the most culturally significant film uh, that we've had since, I don't know. I mean, you think about it. Well, it's definitely not Dora the Explorer. La Bamba? I don't know. Are we going back that oh, far? I had a lot of I had a lot of uh, Twitter hot takes on Dora the Explorer, all right? Hey, relax. <laughs> I'm sure. But yeah, probably oh La Bamba. It was the movie that, the a, a Latino movie that, that reached number one, not only yeah. on the box office, but also on the hot billboard charts at the same exact time. Mm. No other Latino person ever recreated that except Jennifer Lopez uh, when she dropped the sixth album and had the number one movie in the nation at that exact time. That's why she's so Mm. special. She's like a treasure for all of us because what other Latino was able to do that? Ricky Martin could have come close if he was an actor, Mm. uh, at least in the movie space, you know, Um, but we don't, we don't, we, we don't have those people coming out every single year until we got Lin-Manuel Miranda. Lin-Manuel Miranda is, 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 uh, the dude's unreal, you know, in, in so many ways, because what he's done is literally has carried the whole Latino culture generation. Yeah. Uh, more divided than ever, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, especially because mm-hmm. of the Trump administration and 2016 and Latinos for Trump and how that really exposed us as a community. We are definitely not a monolith. We're not a block 
of people that think exactly alike. And the problem for a creator like Lin-Manuel Miranda is how do you then create art that is for everyone, uh, including whites, blacks, Asians, and everybody else. And you know what? Mm. No one's really exported our stories, right? Our stories have always been an afterthought. They've been on the back burner. They're always a compliment to white stories. Um, and, and, and I think that that's the, the, the real crucial contribution that Lemonel Miranda has done for all of us is decode exactly how to create Latino stories for all types of races, ethnicities, languages, all types of people. Uh, our stories were never really able to do that. I mean, you need to understand, In the Heights, the play itself, won best musical. It was a Latino story in New York about a neighborhood that not uh, anybody really cared about. Right, yeah. right. You know, it's a place that you just didn't go if you were a white person. And Blacks had Harlem and they had, you know, what, whatever other neighborhoods they feel that they had. But Washington Heights was Dominicano, Puerto Rigueño, multicultural that's what it was it was that slice of heaven for all of us that we can go and it's our own nightclubs and our own restaurants and those restaurants were owned by our own people how do you capture all of that all the celebrities that would come from from paulina rubio you know everybody that was coming luis fonsi at the time they would end up in washington heights at the end of the night yep. at a nightclub at a restaurant that was our manhattan that was our latino hollywood yeah. And so, of course, Lynn Manel was influenced by that. Of course, he represented that, that celebration of all of us, what it means to be a New York Latino. Problem is, does this matter relate to a Chicano in East L.A.? Mm. Right. That is the how do you then decode that? And there's nothing you can do deliberately. You just got to create your own art and, and, and hope that people see it. But. I think there's a huge group of people, and you, you guys let me know, you saw it. I think there's a huge group of people that identify with it. And then there's friends of ours that just don't identify with it. And they, you yeah. scratch your head. Right. Um, the interesting you said is like, does someone in, in East LA relate to it? That's a different, I feel like that's a different person not relating to it. I think a lot of the noise I'm hearing, um, and, and anger is from the people that it's supposed that are supposed to relate to it, which is people Dominican, uh, Afro, Afro Latinos, people who live in Washington Heights, who have lived, who know people. A lot of these people feel that they are they're watching a, a Disney-fied version of their neighborhood, you know, and right. they're not relating to a movie that is probably even though it's trying to be as mainstream as possible it's still you know this th these are the people that should be embracing it right hmm. and now it's getting a little bit of backlash from that from that, that from that group but Jaime see I think the question more than anything is this what what were we expecting seriously yeah. like, mm. when we heard that in the heights came out what was it exactly that we all thought it was going to be right like was it going to be the Dominican New Jack City you know, right. was it going to be about murders right. and no. drugs and bodega cats? No. <laughs> Not and to after make... watching the musical, you know, if you've seen the musical, I was expecting the musical, like, you know, let's let's go. Like, I like the musical. Let's see the movie version, right? And I think... Um, right, and I feel that that's kind of what we got. We got the Broadway got. play brought to a film setting. Mm -hmm. It was a musical from the get-go. It was never a drama. It was never just a comedy. It was right. It, it was a mix of 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 life, of our life, 
uh, it was a musical portrait, a love letter to New York City, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. what a, re- a redefinition of what American means to the rest of this country. You know, you can see 75 Latinos. What was the last time you saw 75 Latinos just dancing in the middle of a New York Manhattan street, not getting arrested? Facts. Oh, okay. The not getting arrested part. (laughs) And Jamie... That's when I'm like, oh, no. Jamie's tried it. He gathered a whole group of us. We started dancing. But the thing is, he was naked, and that's why he got back. So (laughs) he didn't tell us, you know, he told us... I mean, I think it's, it's, it's one of those things where we have to really curb our expectations. But I got exactly what I thought I was going to get, which was the Broadway play brought to a film setting. And Mm. I loved it. It was high energy. Now, in terms of the Broadway play and the movie, the the Broadway play was special. It It had never, ever been seen before. The idea of Spanish content was Univision Novelas. That was our idea of Latino content. And this kid came in out of what would seem out of obscurity and just said, hey, why don't we create Latino stories influenced by this same industry of Broadway, the the American theater aesthetic, and jumble it up together con nuestro merengue, nuestra bachata, hip-hop, which he grew up with from the African-American community, which we're so tight with, and it was a sopa of music, of dance, of stories. Mm-hmm. And he somehow made that whole thing work. Yeah. Facts. That, it was revolutionary. It was, I could not stop looking at that thing like a scientific case study of sociology <laughs> of the way we are viewed and perceived and how to crack that code in relation to whiteness. Because mm-hmm. Broadway is about white and Broadway is about pr- approving and having the blessing of the white person. If that person mm-hmm. isn't, Involved or liking it, we're screwed, right? So everything that we're seeing within the Heights is in relation to whiteness. The thing is, we also have to include blacks and Asians because the people that go to the movies are all of us. But it's been, to me, I I think that this was one of the great treasures, one of the great gifts we got in terms of showing ourselves. This is what we wanted, right? We wanted Latino representation. We got it. We got a city in New York. We got a Warner Brothers backing it up. The last time that movie was backed up by Warner Brothers was probably Stand and Deliver uh, back in the, I think it was 1987. Damn. It's just ridiculous. You know, uh, that that Warner Brothers and major studios don't put out stuff. I mean, Paramount put out Dora and, you know, and it didn't do as well. So the question is, do our stories that are American Latino, right? That are American, but with a, with a Latino flavor to it, is that relatable outside of our own circles? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is almost like an experiment. This is like a major experiment. Like I, my timeline has been flooded with Latino media, you know, the critics, those opinionated people, you know, all of Frank's friends. So I want to know like what the non-Latino oh, Frank's media, friends. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I want to know what the like non-Latino media is saying. And, and I ask this question also because I appreciate what the film did to educate non-Latinos. 
you know, in quick songs like that Chita, Rita, Celia, Hermana Mirabal bit, you know. I scanned the room at the Tribeca Film Festival because you know what it was filled with. And I saw people like, Oh, we got to check out who Cheetah is. Like, she, who Cheetah? You know, like, <laughs> just saying, like, there were lessons interwoven. So I just want to know what the non-Latino media, if you know, if anything has surfaced, like, what what is happening? I think there's two things happening with, with white media. White media uh, is giving, I mean, rousing reviews. I mean, these are best movie of the year, uh, yep, the, yep. the hit summer film of 2021. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, one of the, uh, one of the year's best fun films that you'll see. I mean, they've been raving about it. And the question is how much of it is that, that they're afraid to say anything differently because they know how black Twitter, film Twitter, Latino Twitter, they can become the enemy really quick. And by becoming the enemy really quick and having to be the face of that brunt, I think is a reality with a lot of critics that are facing that. I mean, Latino critics, I've heard some Latino critics almost afraid of even saying anything bad, even though they might have not liked it as much as they might have liked the Broadway play, the, the musical, because of betraying the culture. We're talking about some deep, deep, deep fissures here man with us all of us and how we're performing and what is accurate what is true jack you can see this film winning uh, an oscar yes i actually wow. uh, see it winning well hold on a second hold on a second <laughs> choreography costume design yeah definitely we're gonna have two performances that in my opinion now i'm, I'm looking at this and i'm going okay I know the history of, of the Academy Awards, right? Uh, I myself am a television Academy whoop, member. Whoop. And I understand exactly what, what the intentions are. So historically, every time you've had a musical, they're so rare that when it comes Oscar time, you're always looking for best original song, best original music. There's very little to pick from. Mm. In a year that you have In the Heights and really probably no other musical to compete with it, now you're going to have to start considering, it's like, well, look at what we're going as an academy. Look what we're going to have to face if we, the only Latino musical to come out, well, along with West Side Story, that's not necessarily a Latino film. Mm -hmm. It mm. has Latino themes uh, and Latino dimensions, but it's not a Latino movie. It's going to have to compete with that, but that's, you're talking about a, 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 a first film adaptation and, and a remake, essentially, from Spielberg. So not nominating Lin-Manuel Miranda, yeah, not yeah, nominating yeah. any of those yeah. songs. I mean, I could go through them. I mean, the finale mm -hmm. was just con Dorin Montalvo is just, that's one of my favorite portions of In the Heights, In the Heights, uh, Breathe. Yeah, man. and I can go on and on. You know, uh, the one that Benny and Nina, the Where's Home? Oh, you know? so beautiful. Oh, that's beautiful. These beautiful songs. They won Tonys from Broadway. And for them to not be nominated just seems like it's something against us. So expect these songs to be nominated out of cultural, political pressure, but out of just the masterfulness of these beautiful songs that embody not only our culture, but embody the story 
uh, of these groups of people that are colliding with a neighborhood that's on the brink of change. And so, yes, I think so. Secondly, if you had to pick out anybody there, Rachel, Frank, Mm -hmm. Jamie, which one single performance would you nominate for an acting performance in there? And I, I already know what it is. So I just want to see if you guys are with me. If you had to pick one person to nominate for an Oscar, I'm gonna. Do I have to just pick one? Can I just one, pick two? One, one. Rachel, ladies first. Oh, well, yeah, Rachel, go first. <laughs> okay, well, I may be throwing a screwball in all of this, but I feel like Olga Meredith's performance was yeah, stellar. Yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah. I agree. Olga Meredith deserves yeah. an Oscar nomination for yeah. her performance of Abuela. Yeah. Claudia. Yeah. Abuela Claudia. Yeah. Um, Paciencia y fe. Oh man! Oh man! I almost I, oh, I went through it. I, I went was through crying it, during that transition to death oh. scene. That acceptance. Yeah. Oh God! If that doesn't hit your your emotional chords and the piece and the performance and the production value and her individual performance to bring this person from one chapter to another chapter and what that transition means and what her story from Cuba to immigrate to New York, what that means for all of us and yeah. this generation of Latinos, if you don't nominate that, then damn, mm. there yeah, is yeah, yeah. some crime going on at the Academy membership that needs to be talked about and changed. I mean, there needs to be protesters because, o sea, esas son las dos que yo veo because uh, they don't have a best dancing, best choreography. <laughs> so Lin-Manuel is going to get the EGOT with this one. Oh my God! He's yes, already got you the said Grammy. That, Rachel. Does he He's have missing he the Oscar? Emmy? He has That's an Emmy. It? He has a Grammy. He's gonna get an wow. EGOT. He's not even like forty. This is amazing. He's a genius of our time, He's people. A, Jesus wow. Christ! He is. He is, and he keeps on knocking it out of the park. And and by the way, I already uh, I, I I you've seen the trailer for Vivo. That just looks amazing. Mm-hmm. I heard some of the songs from there uh, on the trailer and I was just like, okay, th- this dude does, he, he's like a, he's like a, a constant refreshed. Like a wizard, some sort of yeah, like sorcerer. Keeps, he's like a factory man of songs. It's just never, it's a never ending factory of songs that just comes out. It's, it's unbelievable, Yo, the pace. But you know what I respect about this man too is, that like all of these projects, we're sitting here talking about the trajectory of In the Heights, how it started, where it is. Like this has been a project in the making for like over a decade, if not more, right? It started with his love letter to the city. I think he was in college when he wrote this love letter to Washington Heights. And now fast forward, it went from off-Broadway to Broadway to now a major motion picture. Um, I've, I've been there every step of the way. Personally, I related to a lot of the elements of the of all versions, all iterations of In the Heights. Now, if we talk about the film, I didn't relate to the whole goddamn thing. Of course not. Like, I, I know I, I got family in the Heights. I know what In the Heights looks like. But again, to Jack's point, that wasn't my expectation, you know, and the elements that I related to were the deep ones, you know, the pillars of being Latino, the food that I saw depicted in the film, the detail, the Vita Ros spice in the bodega the piragua guy you know the candles lit that scene with the candles like that's what we do 
That is what we do. And it's so beautiful that we do it. And it is time for the world to see that we do it because we don't do good PR for ourselves. The PR that we get is there's been a shooting in Morrisania. Like, that's the PR that we get. The PR of our culture should be what In the Heights is doing for us, shouldn't it? Like, let people know how what we celebrate and, and let's welcome them in. I, I, I see it as like the glass half full, but, you know, I know you want to say something, Jack, but we also have to talk about that glass being half empty because maybe there were some voids that we need to now discuss about the film not hitting. But what were you going to say before we go into void land? Oh, no. I mean, uh, what I kind of wanted to to really know from you and Frank and everybody else is, is, you know, how did this when you first saw In the Heights, did you guys see the Broadway, the Broadway, the Broadway musical? Yeah, I did. I did. Okay. Yes. I, felt awful. I, I can tell you how that that play changed me as a person. Mm -hmm. mm. All right. I saw it at 37 Arts off Broadway. They were throwing those tickets. It's like, you know, you couldn't get media to go there. And then. Finally, I just said, screw it, I'm gonna go. So I get there and I was the entertainment anchor over at Univision 41 at Despertar, the morning show. We were the number one morning show. And I remember going in uh, with my wife, with my girlfriend, soon to be wife at the moment. And we finally went in and we sat down and I'm thinking, okay, it's Latino. And I'm sorry to say this about my own culture, but a lot of, whipping of bad content that we've created in the last 30, 40 years of our you know, culture hasn't really been representative of excellence or high quality or anything like that. And so you just come to a point that you just believe that you're mediocre and everything else that's Latino is mediocre as well. And you kind of just, you, you feel like everyone looks at you as a second class citizen. And when I went in there, as soon as the opening number came in, I heard jazz. I heard salsa, I heard Broadway, all within the span of five minutes and my mouth slowly started to just fall off its jaw. And when I left, I mean, right after the 96,000 and the blackout song that, that finished the second half, the intermission, my mind, was, my mind was melting at that point. And when I left, I had to pick up the carcass of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> What I had just seen, I had just seen something revolutionary, something that had never, ever been done before, something so original to our culture, to frame our culture as beautiful, as exciting, as welcoming, and more than anything, as American. And I had never seen that from anywhere else. And ever since then, it, I left that with such a Latino damn pride. Like, I am Latino, man. Latino, man. <laughs> that is who I am. And no one, and thank you, Lynn, for representing us this way. Not as gangs and thugs and, you know, everything that Rachel was talking about that we mm. represented for forever, I feel. That was the first time that blew my mind. Is, is framing is everything. And the way you frame us was, was something that had never really truly been done up to that moment, except by Lynn. Hmm. I, I also saw it at the 37 Arts Theater. And I have to tell you something so funny is that I was working at People in Espanol at the time. And I did a barter with the producers of the show where we took our clients to see it. And it was such an experience. I don't I didn't see it the same night as Jack. I don't remember. Uh, you guys might have gotten tickets differently. But I remember that, like, we all were talking about it in the office at People in Espanol. Like, 
That was magical. That was that's gonna go far. I never thought major motion major motion picture far, but I for sure thought Broadway far. But this guy took it there, you know. Um, okay, now look, this is Latinos Out Loud. You are host of the Brown and Black podcast. I'll say it again, okay? Um, that was a little bit of promo under the breath promo. Go check Oof. it out. Subscribe. It's a good podcast. Okay, I won't do that again. I won't do that again. Um, but you should check it out and subscribe. Um, okay, so this is what they saying in the streets, mm. in the Twitter, in the Twitter streets, and the Aye. streets actually. They're saying that there wasn't a fair representation of Afro Latinos, Latinas in the film. Aye. Okay, and it's hardcore. If you if you if you Twitter if you um, search colorism in the Heights on Twitter. There are a lot of people with a lot of opinions on this. There's memes already. There's memes. There's one meme I saw today, Melissa Barrera in the casting office for the role, and she was, like, chuckling to be, like, you know, the white girl there. <laughs> like, it's crazy out there what they're doing, and I hate what it's doing for our culture because it's like, fuck, this is, like, I didn't, you know, like, I expected to move the needle forward but every time we want to move the fucking needle forward it always got to go back there's always a magnet that brings it back just a little bring it back come back to the south pole no you can't go up yet latinos Mm-mm. i'm sorry and, and and a lot of that pushback a lot of that pushback goes back to lynn where like then they start kind of criticizing what he does and, and his success and it's kind of like Okay, make your point, but now you're just bashing uh, something that a lot of people think is really great art. You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, th- to me, there is a middle ground there. It's not just the extremes of Facebook and Twitter. I think either, you you know, you love it, hate it. But I do think there's a middle ground where that discussion can be had without the kind of, you know, the uh, super dramatic, you know, um, long monologue about anti this and anti and 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 in the heights is 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 not representing you know Latinos well. I I I'm I'm searching for the middle ground there. You know what I'm saying? Because I like them. I love them. I love the movie. Um, and I wasn't thinking these thoughts. And then when I read these thoughts afterwards from other people, it makes you think. Okay, um, th- these people feel that these. Uh, they're feeling this for a reason, right? And there's, I'm not going to say that they shouldn't feel this way, but what do you think, Jack, about all this? Listen, um, mm-hmm. if, you, if, if, if you look a little closer into the, if you research a little bit more about In the Heights, you'll, you'll, you'll know that Lynn came in with a contract to Warner Brothers. And John Chu and Lynn essentially said, listen, we're going to hire the cast that we feel is the best cast member, regardless of race. That happens to be a white person, that's a white person. That happens to be a black person, but we're going to cast the best possible actor. And Warner Brothers said yes to that. So by having that, they had the freedom to cast who they thought was the best actor for that moment. And let's be honest, let's be honest about this. The best doesn't exist. The best is code word for the people we like, okay? Mm -hmm. The people that we subjectively interpret as best for us, not for the rest of the world, for the group of people that are with us, and they chose these people. You also have to really think about what every major celebrity producer is talking about today, which is packaging. 
I did an interview for Brown and Black with Randall Park. He's the lead Asian actor for Fresh Off the Boat. He's in WandaVision. He uh, he was, uh, what's the name of the uh, North Korean president? Oh, um, Kim Jong, Kim Jong-il. Kim Jong-un. Uh, uh, I'm forgetting the name too. I'm blanking out. Yeah, I'm blanking Seth out. Uh, the yeah, interview, yeah, I think, yeah. with the, 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 interview, Franco the interview, the interview, and yeah. Seth Rogen. So I talked to Randall. And I said, Randall, you know, I'd love to know the Asian version, the a- a- Asian interpretation of why you think Latinos don't have the visibility that even your community has. And he goes, it's packaging. But even we have to do so much for that. And what exactly is packaging? Packaging in Hollywood means this. It means putting together a project that has a celebrity writer, a celebrity director, and a celebrity star. Mm. Now, if you were to say, hey, let's do a Latino packaging, who is our Latino superstar megastar writer? In film, there kind of isn't one, right? That, that maybe they wrote something great 20 years ago, but they're not relevant and current today. You wouldn't go to see a Jose Rivera movie today in 2021. You know, he wrote the Motorcycle Diaries, but today he's not relevant. You could get Miguel Arteta, who's a Puerto Rican director, Kenny Ortega, right? But they felt that John Chu was the guy, you know, because John Chu has currency. He's hot now. It's heat. Melissa is hot. Anthony Ramos is hot. So they picked a mixture of talented people who also at the same exact time happen to be on that hot radar in Hollywood. And how does a star create it? Someone recognizes a talent and then there has to be a belief system, a support system from the studio to the agent, to the director, to the peer actors. It has to be all a unison, a belief system that this Anthony Ramos will be the next guy. The publicist pitches it like that. The journalist has to believe it. Then they talk about it and the intentionality of changing the perception of Anthony Ramos from sidekick guy in Hamilton and in the Heights to solo superstar that not even Lynn has really been able to replicate. I mean, Anthony Ramos is about to be in Transformers, the reboot con un Boricua director in Angel Manuel Soto. Wow. In an American Michael Bay IP franchise? Mind-blowing. I mean, so, so, you know, I think that this is a little crazy about people feeling that this movie is a failure because 2% of the population compared to the 98% who really liked it are the ones we have to listen to. Let me tell you how it works. The minority does not get a say in America. Look at our situation historically. It's historically proven. The majority dictates what happens. So if you want to create an Afro-Latino X film, don't go to Lin-Manuel Miranda asking for it. Do it yourself. But let's see how many people go see it. He, This is a business, man. People see this as only art and a cultural representation of that art. No. Do you know how many people... How much money you had to have to pay all those people to get all those permits? Mm-hmm. It, it, it must have been thirty million. I think it was just to kind of make that movie. So you gotta make that back. That movie was supposed to do between twenty-five and fifty million pre-pandemic era. It made eleven point four, but we're talking about a movie that also you cannot compare to the past musicals because we're post. COVID, post-pandemic. The world's changed. We're in the streaming universe now. HBO Max is going to have Dune, Matrix 4, 
released on streaming. It's wow. going to affect all those movies, but combine the two numbers and you have more of a sense of what the movie accurately represented in terms of viewers. Esta vaina de que box office numbers are the only exclusive metrics for right. the success of the film is bullshit. Somebody mm -hmm. made yes. that up. That's invented. Today, you have to come in and look at the buzz that it had. That's a metric. Have Twitter, Facebook, how much talk was there about it? How many impressions of advertising did it get? How many, um, you know, outside of that, how many streamers did HBO Max get watching it? Because from everything I've heard, people are watching it three to four times. Wow, I watched it twice already. Yeah, I watched it twice. I want to watch it a third <laughs> time too. Yeah, dying So, too. So we got repeated viewers going for streaming And then we have barely any repeated moviegoers. And when you go to the movies, it's 33, you know, maybe 60% full capacity and it's socially distanced. So for a 250, you know, seat theater, you might just get 40 people. So please do not listen to the box office numbers. The right. metrics for this year, throw it out the window. They make no sense. They are not accurate. They are not accurate. And unless HBO Max gives us the viewer numbers and we somehow manage to add that with all the other metrics that are tangible and intangible, we're not, we're never really going to get a great representation of it. Honestly, I think that movie made 25 million mm -hmm. and that's a success wherever you go. That movie is a $25 million movie. Maybe it's not 50, 60, 100, but that's a $25 million movie. Yeah. And even when you say, you know, Latino, you know, when Latino movies are made, sometimes it, you're not seeing like the creme de la creme of what, you know, creatively we can do, right? The things that, that they end up releasing are sometimes like, really? And the thing about In the Heights that I really appreciate is that this is a well-made film, high quality. Like this is the glossiest, like it looks good, the style, the music is on point. The acting, um, and we never look better. We've never looked better. And you cannot, yeah. the hate, the most hating hater uh, in Hateville cannot dispute that because, you know, 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, you know, people are, are, like you said, watching it more than once. People are being emotional. Look at um, the Rotten Tomatoes audience score. Through the board, everyone's liking this movie, yet it doesn't match the numbers. And we're supposed right. to listen to the numbers and not what we're hearing and experiencing from our friends. Stop, stop. There's something off about all of this. I'm not saying it's a conspiracy theory. Oh, I love conspiracy theory. <laughs> Frank. <laughs> Frank's like, wait, what? We cannot put the full burden of representation of our 60 million strong Hispanics in this country on one single movie. You have to do it across a period of years. Look, you know what we really need to have is a Latino renaissance. Mm -hmm. Where it's in music, we already got it. It needs to be now in film. We need that hit TV show. Rachel, what's going on? Ooh. Jack Rico. <laughs> we already got, you know, Hamilton and we got In the Heights winning best musicals. Now we need that hit film. Could it be Blue Beetle? Could it be the Transformers? You know, mm. what's that box office juggernaut? It's coming. Despacito came. It's coming. <laughs> Bad Bunny had a number one album, 200. Olivia mm. Rodrigo is the biggest super pop star right now in the country. Mm -hmm. 
we got the goods. We have a movie that we put out by a, right now, I would say a national treasure for all of us in Lynn. The best of the best is creating stuff for us. I mean, what else can we ask for? Listen, the fact that we have a movie out there, dude, I'm just happy that that exists. Yes. I am not embarrassed to show that anywhere throughout the world. It's like, yo, that's us Mm -hmm. in New York. Don't see anything else. Mm -hmm. Jack, at the end of the day, in three years, what would they say about this movie and Latinos, and uh, is this movie going to get us together at the end of the day? What is this going to, how is this, go, how are we going to be painted in, in three years to five years with this movie? I think this movie ultimately will, will set the path to open new doors for other creators to create movies like that. You know, I remember Frank Reyes had done great movies. Yeah, Empire, Empire. Empire, um, you know, with John Leguizamo, great cast. And that was one chapter of New York. And now Lynn has introduced this, you know, eye candy visual, high Man. energy impact, this electrifying uh, aspect of our culture that had not re- ever really been explored in any way. And so now that we're getting that new side of us, I think, can I be honest? I think some people have been thrown yeah. off. They've never seen us in this light. I agree with mm. you. I agree. Mm. I, I don't agree. think they know what, to, what, what I was like, yo, wait a minute, but aren't they supposed to be servants at hotels or, you know, gang members and killers and cartel people like in Narcos? <laughs> what is this? What is this? So sad. <laughs> so true. It's so true. I, I look, I think we do need more Lin-Manuel's because, and I think he would, I mean, he would say the same thing because right now, anything he comes out with, for some reason, he's bearing this collective weight of Latino representation you know what i mean and I, I think that's a lot to 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 carry right you know for every like he if he wants to do a passion project you know and he's i think his next film is um he has two films coming out vivo which is right. on netflix yeah that come out uh and, sobre and, then, Cuba. and then you got encantos which i think he's composing the music for which is a colombian uh animation from disney wow and he's also directing that movie with uh, Andrew Garfield. Tick, tick, boom, tick, tick, boom. Which is, I think, the oldest original Broadway show still alive uh, right now. And, you know, wow. and that is a passion project for him, right? He's a theater kid. It's based on the guy who, uh, the guy who ran Jonathan Larson, right? So that's a passion project for him. Are Latinos going to be like, wait, what, you're doing a movie without a Latino lead? You know, I mean, he has to be able to kind of you know, live in different spaces for his, you know, for his career. And I'm going to tell you this, guys. Don't expect Lynn to maybe do another Latino film right now. Mm. I think he said, aquí está. (laughs) 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 Here you go. Community, bless you with this turkey. Yeah. Stage. Buen provecho. (laughs) Buen provecho. (laughs) Come bien. (laughs) Espero que estés lleno y satisfecho después de esto. I'm out, right? Yeah. And he should have the liberty and the freedom to go do something white, to go do something yeah. black. Maybe he fell in love with John Chu and, the, and they're doing something Asian. Right. But yeah, whatever yeah. he does next, we will not judge this guy. He has earned the right yeah. to do anything he wants and not have nothing but just our support. Hmm. You guys, this is an expert that you just heard from. Please put your hands together again for Jack Rico, people. Oh, my God. You're... Yo, 
your perspective. Wow. I, I live for your perspective um, and all the information that you share. Your knowledge must continue to be shared because, again, you have such a unique POV in your interpretation, and the people want to hear it. Wasn't that so interesting, you guys? Like, Amazing, Jack. Th- Amazing, brother. I love it. It was a great conversation. Thanks for inviting me to talk about it because I think there's a misrepresentation of what that the movie somehow failed. Yeah, maybe to a bunch of uh box office counters that you know are in an office during the pandemic who have mm. nothing else to do than to frame this and it's funny the hollywood reporter and other you know american uh, media outlets are framing it a disappointment that's not mm-hmm. the way it feels like in here right right so it depends on who you ask so whenever you hear that it might not have reached certain expectations uh that it's very subjective to that particular person and everybody should question the source. You media people cannot take away the happiness and pride that we feel from this film. So, vete pal carajo, okay? <laughs> Ustedes, váyanse pal carajo. And you know you could kiss it where the sun don't shine, okay? Listen, people, this is it. This is a movement. Let's support the movement and not pull it back. You. Diantre. Diantre.